Hey everyone, listen in as I quiz Kyle on some common quality management approaches. In today's global economy, quality matters. Benjamin Franklin once quipped, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. Quality Matters is here to talk about all things quality. So whether you're looking to improve your business, getting ready for an audit, or dealing with failed inspections, tune in, check us out, then get back to doing work that matters. Hey everyone, welcome to Quality Matters, brought to you by Texas Quality Assurance, where quality management gets simplified. I'm Darcy. I'm Kyle. Um, We are going to talk today about some common quality management approaches. All right. And I found this one again from managementhelp.org, and it just happened to be written by the same uh, guy that wrote our last week's article, Carter McNamara. I'm probably not saying that right. Um, So this is kind of a test for Kyle. I wanted to see what he knew and didn't know. Let's go. Um, So the first one he lists is a balanced scorecard. Okay. Have you heard of this? I have. Oh, well, then tell me what you think, and I'll compare it to what he says. Okay. So you have to identify certain metrics that you're going to track for your company. Now, this is a problem that is uh, pretty common as well, is the goals of one department or one process may contradict with the goals of another process. So let's say, for instance, let's just take the most simplest example. Say we want to increase sales by 100% this year. Okay, but if that's the only metric you go by, and you tell your sales folks, you get a bonus if you double your sales this year. Okay, well, what's the first thing they're going to do? They're probably going to start slashing prices every time they sell something so that they close <laughs> more of their deals. So you wind up at the end of the year having sold twice as much, but somehow or another you're in the negative. So you have to make sure that these goals line up. And so it's kind of the idea of a balanced uh, scorecard is – do the expected outputs from this goal cause a conflict with expected outputs of another goal? Okay. Yep. I, I, I think he agrees with you. <laughs> okay. The next one is benchmarking. Ah, okay. So benchmarking is somewhat similar, uh, but with benchmarking. Hold on just a second. I know you. he hates it when I, like his mouth is literally twitching right now because now he's going to have to reform his thoughts. <laughs> So while, yes, I'm teasing and this is like a test of Kyle, this is also information for you, our listeners, as, you know, these are quality management approaches. And if you want to use some of these, you can. Benchmarking. Go. Okay. I'm just trying to quit imagining hitting you with the microphone right now. <laughs> okay. So benchmarking, very similar to, to scorecards, except uh, this, if you follow the PDCA cycle, so scorecards are very much part of the planning process. Benchmarking is very much part of the check of the process. So what we're going to do is evaluate at certain stages in the year, are we attaining the progress we expect to attain to, to hit that ultimate goal? And so you're going to review where are we at versus where we expect to be at. And do we need to make any changes uh, as we go forward? Okay. So he did say, you know, you can use the internal benchmarks to compare Mm -hmm. internal processes. You can also use competitive benchmarks, compare yourself to other companies, um, and functional benchmarking. That one's 
to compare to. the quality of a function such as strategic planning to a set of best practices for that function. Okay, that, that makes sense. Makes okay. sense. All right. What about business process re-engineering, also known as BPR? That one is actually a new term to me. Okay. Well, I could take a stab at it, but it's a new term to me. Stab away. <laughs> um, so, again, this would kind of go back, same thing, to the same PDCA uh, cycle, this process approaching looking at problems, is when we have to make these changes, you cannot simply make a correction for a singular instance. When you make a correction, especially if you're updating a process or a procedure, a policy, or construction, something, you have to know that there are unintended consequences of that change. That's not what he's talking about? I don't think so. Okay. He says, radically redesigning the organization's structures and processes, including by starting over from the ground up. Okay. Well, Extensive analysis of the various processes across the organization and analyzing them for effectiveness and efficiencies. Okay. I would never advise this as a first step to jump in to a, solve a problem but we have discussed how well, if you I go think down if it comes to yeah. that you know that's what you can do okay yeah. so we talked about this on the last episode his next approach is continuous improvement <laughs> okay well we just have a little bit of a difference in the terminology in, in here in parentheses i don't know if this matters but in parentheses he put process improvement okay now process imp- uh well uh, uh, it, it could it could be a little different there. Again, some of these terms get a little different when you're talking about more of the quality assurance and quality management side of things versus the uh, you know process improvement, which is a little more down the uh, uh, lean and six sigma trails. These two have major intersections. If you draw all of these ideas on a Venn diagram, <clears throat> there are massive intersections. The problems are when you take anything to its nth degree. So, continuous improvement. Okay, what about it? What is it? Oh, the it's effectively the same PDCA cycle. We had a plan that and that plan has to align up with uh, certain strategic goals, customer requirements, interested parties. We have a plan. We perform the work. We check did we achieve the goals of our plans, and then we make a decision, take an action to either proceed forward with the plan or to reevaluate and make a change to the plan next time. Okay. So, you know, improving quality and customer satisfaction through continuous and incremental improvements to different internal processes. So I think most of our listeners probably know what that is. Um, Most of our listeners may know what all of these are. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Failure mode and effect analysis. Very, very useful tool, like everything else, can be a little overutilized, but it's a fantastic, fantastic tool when you're first starting into a brand new project or maybe if you had a, a something horrible go wrong. So um, maybe you had a terrible accident or a terrible customer issue and you really need to replan uh, the process. And you go through what are all of the potential failures that we could uh, run into. And then you want to identify your risk. And so one of the most common ways to identify your risk is what they call an uh, RPN, uh, risk product number, where you take the severity, the detection, and the impact. You multiply those three numbers together, and you get your RPN. The lower the RPN, the lower the perceived risk, less likely are to need to take action on it. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, focus on ways in which the product can fail. Mm-hmm. And he says usually applied early in the developmental phases. Yes. So. And I've seen a couple of instances over the years. This doesn't happen very often, but a couple of instances where customers went overboard with the FMEAs. And so they would conduct an FMEA for every project that they started. When I say project, I'm talking about just the next batch to deliver, the next job. Mm -hmm. And like, you're like killing yourselves with paperwork here. If something, once you do that initial FMEA, you, you don't really need to do it again unless something big occurs. Because the tool you're going to use instead going forward is your corrective action process. Okay. You're going to track your nonconformities, your defects. You'll look for trends or big things come up and you have to reevaluate how are we going to act on them. Um, in our software and even on paper forms that we have folks, we very, very strongly recommend, and it's again integrated in the software, that we do a risk assessment um, pre-mitigation and we do a risk assessment post-mitigation on the corrective action and so we want to know what was our perceived risk before we did anything what was our perceived risk after we put the changes in place and so if you're addressing your corrective actions with risk-based thinking integrated to it Mm -hmm. there's no need need for fmeas later on um the next one is iso 9000 he just said 9000 well he says he says 9,000, and then he says ISO 9000 is a set of okay. internationally recognized standards <laughs> in quality management. And then he says ISO 9001 is a well-known standard within that set, and over 1 million organizations use it. Yes. Um, yes. Then ISO- he says it builds on the continuous improvements. Okay. He just has a – in any case. The words <laughs> matter, I guess. You know, just the way this guy writes is different. Um, the, the words really, really do matter. Um, if you just go onto Indeed and look up Continue Us Improvement Manager or something like that, you're going to find it littered with Six Sigma across the board. If you change the us to all, you'll get far fewer results. And the results you get are going to be okay. more of the quality manager type. So y'all do that and email Kyle your results. <laughs> <laughs> yes, send me the screenshots. Um, no, yeah, ISO 9000 is a series of standards. Um Really, the only one that people get certified to is is 9001. Um, and it's just the most basic, fundamental quality management standard out there. I do like that he did note that the set of standards can be customized and applied to any type of organization. And we talk about this yes. on so many episodes that it doesn't tell you how to do what you do. Yep. It just tells you to document how you do what you do. Yes. So... Um, it's not intimidating. I mean, it is for me because I don't understand it, but then you get somebody like Kyle that comes in and helps you. All right, Kyle. Kaizen. Kaizen. How do you say it? Kaizen. Oh, okay. It is Kaizen. Yes. It's just an E in there. Uh, so this is <coughs> also... Oh, he calls it a continuous improvement yes, program. Yes, this is continue us. <laughs> this is continue us. Oh, man. If this... Carter, if you listen to this, you can call <laughs> Kyle and fight with him. I'll even give you his phone number if you email me. <laughs> um, no, he's very well thought out. We just have a little probably disagreement on the terminology here. Um, so Kaizen is uh, part of this this uh, Six Sigma 
methodology. And so a Kaizen event, effectively, you, you've got a certain team that you need to gather with certain people, certain levels, ranks, involvements in the process. Depending on the event, probably going to have anywhere from between maybe five to about seven people uh, on the team. And so the Kaizen event, you're going to come in and evaluate every last stinking detail of the process. And as you do that, you're going to add up all of the, um, the, the time spent, the money spent, and then you're going to look for areas that maybe we can make small improvements, small tweaks to the process to really impact it. The thing about Kaizen, um, a Kaizen event versus what we do in a gap assessment, you know, doing a process map, is in a Kaizen event, you are looking very much at a singular process. Um, and you do care about how it interacts, but your focus is very, very tight on a single process. Whereas the work we do is more of looking at the organization as a whole and then leaving some of the smaller details up to the, uh, the organization to resolve. And the Kaizen events are, are very, very useful tools, especially in larger organizations. If you're making millions of widgets or you've got you know many thousands of man hours going into uh, uh, especially repeated processes, not only, but especially, it's a really fantastic tool. Okay. Um so I don't feel like he described it the same, but you described a Kaizen event yes. versus I think he's describing like a Kaizen philosophy. Okay. So when, what's and he got And so there? that's what he says. It's often described as a philosophy practice <clears throat> of continuously seeking opportunities to improve work process and small continuous changes. It's not an expensive set of practices as much as a long-term set of continuous practices made by everyone in the organization. The way it's usually executed is a big expensive event to save money on a particular process. Maybe so, this is how it started out, though. It was just a philosophy. Be. Might be, because, again, I, I like I said, I've, I've seen probably as much good as, as bad come out from these philosophies. So, Okay, next is lean management. Lean, again, fantastic idea. Most people have no idea that they're actually pursuing lean methodologies in the workplace. Um, I was actually just watching a video about it uh, this morning. But it is really a way of working and thinking to where you want to make the workplace as simple and easy as possible. So Darcy gets pretty frustrated with me because anytime I start cleaning something <laughs> or the kids are cleaning something, what's my word? Perpendicular. Perpendicular. You want to put everything perpendicular. And why do you do that? It's simple. If everything is meant to be perpendicular in whatever space it's at, you know, nice right angles everywhere, if anything is out of place, it's immediately visible. Uh, so this is a lean practice, is it makes it very easy for me to identify something that is out of place. And so that's the idea of, uh, of lean. And if you follow the practice and it's in the five S's and everything that goes into it, which I won't go into too much detail here, um, you're going to wind up with a much more efficient, much more safe, much more productive, much more profitable work environment. Hmm. He says something different. Let's see what he which, says. I mean, y'all both could be right in just describing it in different ways. Um, he says it focuses on maximizing customer value while reducing waste. Okay. Yeah. You first focus on clarifying what the customers value and then eliminate waste towards anything that doesn't provide that value. No. Yeah. Pretty, that's about the same. I, I, in my example, it's, uh, you know, you, you have a, you have to have a desired output. You have to have requirements that are included on it. So yeah, reducing waste for the sake of reducing waste, it's kind of pointless, but let's be honest. Um, if, 
if you follow like the uh, quality management principles of ISO, the very first one is customer focus. You are in business to provide value to a customer. So really, as long as everything's geared towards the end goal. And truthfully, if you can reduce waste in your workplace, you're reducing man hours, it's going to have a good improvement. Yeah, I mean, that's what he says, yeah. to reduce it for customer value. Um, quality circles. One I'm not real familiar with. Okay, well, I will tell you what he says. A small group of employees who meet regularly with their manager to analyze problems in their activities. Okay. And to make recommendations to improve them. The employees implement the recommendations themselves. And the employees reflect and learn about how to avoid those types of problems in the future. Okay. Um, not a term I'm familiar with, but the practice is, is uh, pretty common sense. And again, you look at the quality management principles from ISO 9001, you know, right up on the top of the list is engagement of people. And we talk about culture so, so, so much. Yeah. <laughs> but this is a good way to put it of, you know, and we, we kind of talk about it as well. It's like when you're going to implement a solution, you have to identify champions. Mm. Um so in a small company, that quality circle kind of just tends to be the same three or four people all the time. Mm-hmm. Larger organization, I can see how this would be very, very beneficial okay. because that quality manager is so far detached from the other 2,000 people in the organization. Okay. And this may be the last one. I'm not sure. Uh, Six Sigma. Okay. Well, Six Sigma fundamentally is you. the term Six Sigma is derived from we are looking three standard deviations to the left and three standard deviations to the right, and you want to cluster your results around the center of that bell curve. It does require a lot of data analysis, um, <laughs> but you know the more you can cluster your data towards the uh, the center, you can then detect when you're shifting out of range, like all sorts of fun stuff that can happen. Okay. And this is the last one, total quality management. Okay, total quality management. This is largely a result of uh, dimming, uh, some work from Duran, but mostly uh, dimming coming out of the Toyota production system. Um, So folks ask a lot of times, well, what's the difference in quality control and quality assurance? What's the difference in quality assurance and quality management? You know, how are all of these management systems interconnected? This is really where total quality management comes into play, is it's a way of addressing all of the details, all of the aspects of the organization under the same umbrella. All right. You did good on your little quiz, Kyle. <laughs> I'm proud of you. I've only been you know, doing this for a long time. I know, but <laughs> I read through them and highlighted stuff and thought, man, am I even going to remember what I highlighted? <laughs> like, I was nervous to talk about it and compare your answers. <laughs> no, I love it. To me, this stuff is tons of fun because I'm very much a problem solver probably to a fault um but i love to solve problems and this is something i talk about in our quality management trainings that we do very often is folks get so caught up on the problem and i'll tell them i don't i truly do not care what the problem is i care about two things i care about the root cause or the root causes generally there's more than one Mm -hmm. causal factors what's our root cause what's our intended solution the problem just happens to be in the middle there Mm-hmm. It's the red flag. We once, can't dwell on that. Yeah. Once the red flag's waved, who gives a crap what the red flag looks like? Let's get rid of it. Sounds like common sense. Yeah. But <laughs> it, it, yes. And so that's why I love this stuff so much is because these are 
all sorts of different ways that we can systematically, a system, solve these problems so that we don't actually care about the problems. We just wind up with solutions. We wind up with improvement that adds value to the company and society and everything as a whole. Nothing but good can come from this if we do it right. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, y'all. If you have enjoyed this episode, like what you heard, or took away something uh, good from it, be sure to comment and subscribe to the podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Android, Google, you name it, we're there. Feel free to connect with me directly on LinkedIn. You can find me there, Kyle Chambers, and we hope to hear from you soon.